What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Long Game Podcast hosted by Thomas Kopelman and Trayton DeVore. In each episode, you'll hear us break down financial topics that are relevant to the lives of millennials and other young professionals. Our goal is to help bring credible financial information to you in short, bite-sized episodes. Thomas Kopelman and Trayton DeVore are the co-founders and financial planners at All Street Wealth. All opinions expressed by Thomas and Trayton are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of All Street Wealth. This podcast is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It should not be considered advice. Please consult with your financial advisor, tax, legal, and any other advisors you have before making any decisions regarding your financial plan. All right, what's up? And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Long Game Podcast. Today, I am joined by Ian Gutterman. Ian, thanks for joining me, man. Um, man, I've been excited to do this. I mean, we've been interacting on Twitter for a long time. Yeah. You always have interesting viewpoints. I think you kind of, you even say yourself, like, you have some contrarian viewpoints to everybody else, mm-hmm. and you stand by them, and you like them. Um, and, and I really appreciate that. But today, we're really going to focus in on some of the insurance things that we haven't talked about. So that's going to be a little bit homeowners and renters, probably a little bit into auto for sure into umbrella and maybe disability mm-hmm. if we have time. But uh, before we get into that, give everybody a quick little intro of who you are and what you do and kind of why it made sense to bring you on for this topic. Sure. So, um, you know, I, I have, I guess, a little bit of a different background than maybe most insurance people you talk to. I started as an investor. So I, you know, in my younger days, I started FODI investing in insurance companies, went on to some hedge funds, uh, did the same thing. So I spent about 20 years, uh, you know, deciding whatever, should, should I own Allstate or, or Progressive, you know, MetLife or Prudential, um, and became an insurance expert sort of along the way, right? And over time, became more interested in that part than the investing, honestly, and uh you know, left investing a few years back and sort of um, reinventing myself as a uh, insurance startup, uh, you know, focused on essentially to me, what's interesting about insurance is uh, a lot of it might seem um, whatever, very complex or, or, or disinteresting or whatever, but there's a lot of fascinating things about insurance and there's a lot of things done poorly. Um, so to me, you know, trying to you know, work on the things that are done poorly. And, you know, the main focus I have now is, you know, to me, the biggest gap that I always have all the problems I found in the insurance world was the average consumer doesn't understand what they're buying. Right. So, you know, because they don't even want to learn about it. Well, insurance to most people is like, I have to do this, but if I didn't have to, I would never want to think about it or do it. And like, totally, I, I get it. Right. Like investing is building wealth. Like it's a little bit more exciting. And insurance, yeah. insurance just kind of feels like something I pay for, but never really use. And then like I have health insurance, right? And like I pay for it, but then it doesn't cover this and that. Like everybody yep. has all the issues that they find about it. But like, if you really tie it to, I want to build wealth. This is how okay. I don't ruin my chances of building wealth because yep. a lot of how I view insurance is like protect the biggest risk, right? Like I don't want yeah. insurance on my phone. I don't want insurance, yep. you know, on some of these things where most of the time it's not going to end up being beneficial. But I want insurance if I can never work again, right? Or if I pass away too soon, like, is my family going to be okay? Or, hey, like, you know, my house burns down. Like, I can't afford $700,000 out of pocket again and finish off that mortgage. Like, those are the insurances that you want to use and protect because the the losses are catastrophic. Yeah, absolutely. And so to to me, the, you know, it's sort of like, you know, people know, 
a lot of people anyway, not everybody, but people know sort of the basics with investing, right? Like, you know, index over active or don't trade a lot. Like people sort of know, enough people know these things. And insurance, people are pretty blind to those things. I can give you the equivalence of those in insurance, but they're not really well disseminated. That's what we're trying to do basically is help people get a similar comfort level so they don't feel scared to go buy something and they can have a little reassurance. Yeah. Exactly your point. I, I agree. You know, that's the main focus is to protect against worst cases, not overbuy for the little things. Yeah. So let's um well, I guess the question for you. So you you own a, an insurance business. What type what type of insurance do you do? We 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 do, you know, personal P and C. Our focus is homeowners, so that extends to auto, umbrella, renters, possibly pet, things like that. Do you that. do but every we, state? We will do every state. We, we are not actively selling insurance yet. Right now, we're just focused on financial education. Okay. And then eventually, we'll add an online marketplace to that, right? Okay. Uh, but when we do that, yes, we will be in every state um, because we're doing distribution. We're not going to be creating policies. We're not going to be doing the underwriting. We're just going to be doing distribution. Yeah. That's easier to go broad. So a broker. Quickly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah cause exactly. the, I work with an insurance team who they work with you on the advisors. Yep. They do disability exactly. life that, but they don't do any of the other stuff. And I asked them about it. So I was like, I want a solution to that because yeah. it's kind of like a, Hey, here's probably what you need. Go to your state farm person. Yeah. Or I just like, you know, you have people you don't trust who are always upselling and not really doing yeah. the right thing. And I asked them and they were like, it's just, they're, they're trying to figure it out, but it's pretty hard to get the PNC in every single state versus like yeah. life. DI is a little bit easier. Every state. It's a little easier. Um, and realistically, you know, even if we do all states, it doesn't mean we'll be super active in every state, right? There'll probably be states where we're more likely to concentrate. But, um, a little less Alaska, maybe a little less. No, exactly, right? I mean, more, exactly, <laughs> right? So that, that, but if we're going to do things online, if someone, you know, sees an ad someday in Wyoming, we don't want to tell them no, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start to uh, dive into it. I think yeah. first one, I, I think it, it makes sense to end with umbrella. Honestly, the way that we progress through and then why umbrella fits in. So yeah. let's start on homeowners and then we'll go to renters because they're pretty similar. Yeah. So like just in the most foundational piece, like can you explain homeowners insurance to somebody in basic terms? Sure. So um, there's basically uh, two main things your homeowner's policy is going to protect you from. One is physical damage, right? So there's a fire in your home. Um you know, the, the laundry machine overflows, right? That, you know, something that needs repairs, right? That's the most part people think about the most. Um, and that could protect obviously the physical structure, right? Like your roof or your walls and so forth. And it also protects what's called your contents or personal property, which would be, you know, your couch or, or clothing or collectibles or things like that. Uh, yeah. The second main piece is liability. Uh, is part of the homeowner's policy. So, um, you know, basically if you get sued for something, homeowners will protect you up to a certain limit. When we get to umbrella later, we'll talk about why basic homeowners isn't enough usually. Um, but homeowners also does provide you liability if someone, you know, is at your house and whatever gets, gets burned or something, right? Or, or whatever it is, right? Some, there's some sort of accident. There's liability in the homeowner's policy for guests in your home or things like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And some of the, like the reasons to have more are pool, trampoline, some of these other like higher risk areas. Like my fiance, she's from Phoenix and it's like, they knew a few kids who, while they grew up, like drowned. Right. I mean, like there's all pools in every single backyard and like, those are huge liabilities that you need to be protected against. Cause I think when most people think homeowners, they just think fire, you know, some some of those things less of like, well, liability is never going to happen. Right. Like it, yeah. it just doesn't feel likely, but you know, that is a really big risk. Yes. And, and you know, the, the other interesting part about it, right. Is, uh, and it's not just you, right. It's your family. So one of the prime risks is teenagers, right? Like, you know, I have a teen driver now, like, uh, you know, or just kids that have parties when you're not home or whatever it is, right. Just, you know, teenagers can do things that cause you liability. So, you know, volunteering, people don't think about that. You know, you volunteer at the food bank and someone accuses you of doing something inappropriate, you're going to get sued and your homeowners will pay for that up to a point. But, you know, things that seem innocuous, you know, that that are meant to be good natured can cause you to get sued. So yeah, Yeah. given you're trying to protect wealth, that's, it's a big risk. Yeah. What are like some of the mistakes people make with homeowners here? Like, I think you, you're always yeah. talking about it. So like, is it not enough liability? If so, how to, or like, how, I mean, how much do we, how much coverage do we really need? Yeah. Um, so the, the, the stack that gets thrown around a lot is, you know, 70 plus percent of people are underinsured and that's just referring to the property part, right? Like just, you know, you bought the home 10 years ago whatever, you insured it for 400000 and because of inflation and renovations you made and this and that, it will probably be 600000 rebuild it today. And State Farm hasn't kept up. They've raised it to four fifty, right? So you have this big and, gap. In that, yeah. that situation, right? So yeah. to re- you you use a really good word saying it's 650000 to replace the building. Yeah. Something that I see sometimes people have is understanding the like difference between the land cost and the building yeah. cost. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, you, you might not be an underinsured because your house is worth 750 and you have 600, depending on the price of the land. I think that's something that people Correct. don't forget. Don't think about. Absolutely. It's all basically the way, the thing I tell people as a proxy is look at new construction for a similar home in your neighborhood. Like what, you know, it, minus the land, right. You know, it, to your point, if that new construction is 750 and you can see land costs are 150, then it's 600 to replace a similar home. Right. So yeah. that's what you should be insured for. It has nothing to do with what you pay for the house or what your tax assessment or anything like that. That could be more, could be less. What about factoring in like jewelry and other things that are yep. in the house too? Right. Like if I have that six hundred fifty thousand example, but yeah. you know, I have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of jewelry and other stuff, like how does that factor in? Right. So generally you have a uh, contents or personal property coverage, which most of the time will default to 50% of what you insure the home for. So in our example, 600,000 home, uh, you have 300,000 in coverage. But to your point, um, there are limits on a lot of categories. So, you know, art, jewelry, um, collectibles, things like that often are 500 or 1,000 or 2,500. And so above that, you need to get a separate policy. Um, so if you have anything, either jewelry or basically things you collect and you have 50 or 100 or 250,000 of stuff, um, you should get a separate policy for that. And those are super cheap, by the way, like generally it's a few hundred bucks. Um, and that way you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Okay. What else do people need to know about homeowners? 
Yeah, I mean, the the um, other than just make sure you have enough coverage, right, is, um, you know, one of the mistakes we see a lot of people make is, it's to sort of what your point earlier about, you know, what should you be protecting against, right? Um, you know, people want this comfort of all that $1,000 deductible or $500 deductible. Um, and that's, you're really overpaying for that most of the time, right? Like insurance companies know they make money selling you low deductibles. So if you can afford 2,500 or 5,000 or even 10,000, you usually can, you know, over time it will pay for itself and then some, right? It's kind of like, you know, if you think of the Buffett thing with float, you're basically giving the insurance company float, not keep it for yourself and self-fund it. Assuming you can, right? Um, Yeah, that's a good one. I think about that a lot too, like disability, like the difference between three month elimination period and six or so, if you have a high savings or- Um, you know, they're like even health insurance, right? right? Like for me, who spends no time really going to the doctor, have, I'm young yeah. and healthy. Like I'm always going to pick the highest deductible plan and exactly. cover catastrophic losses, but you know, not, not, you know, spend a thousand bucks a month to get a $500 deductible. Exactly. Right. So that, that's, yeah. you know, so either a, you have to use self fund through your emergency fund or B you use some of those savings to make sure you're not underinsured elsewhere. Um, you know, what, one of the reasons homes interesting to me is just, um, you know, you mentioned auto earlier, you know, the auto insurance policy has basically stayed the same forever. The home policy, most companies have taken away coverage over the last decade and they don't tell clients, right? They don't tell the the insured. Um, So you have a lot of, I use the healthcare analogy a lot, you know, health insurance, we're all used to having co-pays right? You go to the ER, you're going to pay 10% of it or whatever it is, or 500 bucks or whatever. Um, home insurance has moved towards that. So, you know, if you're in Indiana, it's probably similar to what I have in Illinois. Um, we don't have hurricanes. We probably don't have tornadoes, but we have hailstorms or summer thunderstorms or things like that, right? Um, your policy probably has a wind deductible, which basically says a thunderstorm you don't pay the thousand dollars. You might pay one percent of your home for that. So you have a five hundred thousand dollar home. Now you have five thousand dollars to pull, not a thousand. You probably didn't know that. Um, they also don't. If your roof's older, they're not going to fully insure the roof anymore. They depreciate it. So you might not know that. So you have a twenty thousand dollar roof claim. You think you're paying a thousand bucks. You might pay fifteen now. Right. You can buy that back, by the way. Right. It just costs more, but you know, take some of those deductible savings and explore whether you might want to buy that back um, or just put it in the emergency fund and self-fund it. But, uh, yeah. you know, we, we push pretty hard on the same way as you think of, you know, the high deductible healthcare plans, you should think of the home insurance the same way. Yeah. Okay. So to summarize and wrap up homeowners insurance, yeah. like what are a few takeaways somebody can have as they go through theirs to make sure that they think they're covered? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, one, ask for quotes with higher deductibles, see what you can save. Uh, we have a calculator I can, you know, give to anyone who you can go test the payback on that, basically. Um, two, check the liability. A lot of policies do default to 100000 liability to save you a few bucks, and it's going to save you like 50 bucks. but people don't look and they do it. So ask for hundred or 500000 if you think you need it. It barely costs anymore. Um Similarly, make sure you have replacement costs across your policy. 
not depreciation or sometimes called cash value. Um, again, that's a really cheap coverage to replace and it keeps you from, from you know, uh, finding out you have a problem. Yeah. Okay. Super good ones. Uh, let's go to renters then. Yeah. I think renters is similar. I think it's probably yeah. a little bit more basic, I would say, because yeah. you're not really, you don't have to fix almost anything up if they're like, obviously it'll kick in if something happens to the building or a flood or whatever, but yeah. let's go through kind of the basics and the takeaways that people need to know. Yeah. I mean, renters, you're really a lot more on your content, right? Because the landlord's essentially protecting the building. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, is, uh, again, something going to damage my, my couch or my bed or, you know, things like that, right? You know, furniture, um, the TV, electronics, things like that. So uh, you're really mostly focused on content. They're fairly cheap policies. Um, I don't know if we want to mention names or not. The one that a lot of people look at that's, you know, a newer company that sells really cheap renters. Um, the challenge with that is, uh, they don't always cover everything fully, right? There's a reason something's cheaper. Um, so they might only give you partial payouts rather than a full payout, right? So again, you, you just want to try to check, you know, if I have a claim, will I get paid fully? Um, is it really worth, I mean, renter's policies are so cheap, you know, paying whatever, $300 instead of $400 to risk thousands of dollars if, you know, I have a small fire that only, you know, 5,000 gets payments to the 10,000, right? Yeah. So it's really, you just want to make sure you have full coverage on it because it's such a cheap policy. Yeah. I think mine was literally like 200 bucks for the year or something like right. that. Like it, it's right. crazy how cheap it is. But one thing that I didn't know, but I found out and I'm mean, correct me if I'm wrong, is that like, yeah. if my car gets broken into, yeah. my renter's insurance will help kick in on what, what was taken from it. Yeah. Same with the home. They, exactly. Right. Like, the, the people use the golf club example of that, right? You leave the golf clubs in the car and they get stolen. Uh, your home or renters will pay for that. Yep. Yeah. Super cool. Okay. So now we got those ones. Let's go to auto. Sure. Okay. So auto, I think everybody understands, right? Like the basics yeah. of like, but I think there's like both sides, right? What happens to my car? What happens to the other person? Yeah. So let's kind of go yeah. through the, the two of those and, and the differences um, and start there. Sure. I mean, the, the good news about auto is coverages are very similar from, you know, carrier to carrier more than any other product. So you really yeah. can focus mostly on price and your best guess of how the claim will be handled, right? So do I want to pay more for whatever State Farm because I think they'll take care of me better than Geico, right? That That's the reason to pay extra, not because you're getting more or less coverage. Um, that said, what are the coverages to look at? I mean, the most basic one is just limits, right? So Sometimes the reason you're saving money with a Geico or Progressive is because, you know, they're defaulting you to lower policy limits, which basically means there's, especially if, you know, there is an injury, you might not be fully covered. Um, so you want to make sure you have what you think are appropriate limits. Um, you know, again, every case is different, but, you know, for the average person, I would say 100, 100, you know, meaning, you know, 100,000 for, you know, uh, property damage or bodily injury is probably too low. And you probably want 300, 300 or 500, 500. Um, the other one that I people get confused about or gets overlooked is what's called UIM or uninsured or underinsured motor, which is basically 
um, you know, you so if you get if you and the other party both have full insurance and they hit you, their insurance will pay. So you don't really have to worry about it. But what happens sometimes is with somebody who is buying sort of like the cut rate insurance you see late at night, right? Like um, they might not have enough coverage. They might have only bought 50,000 of limits, right? And you have 100,000 of hospital bills. Um, if you buy underinsured motorists, your insurance then will pay the difference. So it's basically mm -hmm. gap coverage. Uh, yeah. If you get hit by somebody who has cheap Lacks insurance, right? And obviously yeah. if they have no insurance, then the uninsured motorist pays for it. So that's one where, you know, that, that's one that's pretty important to have. Um, and most people do, but you just want to make sure you have enough limit there. That's really your main risk in the auto accident is that the other driver doesn't have enough coverage and you didn't buy enough UIM. And now, you know, you have a big expense. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously you can pick, um, you know, longer time between renewal, which I normally right. recommend. I mean, I know a lot of places don't do a year anymore, but some still yep. do six months, way better than one month. Um, sure. one, a lot of times price is cheaper too. If you hit somebody, you're locked into a rate for longer, hopefully. Yeah. Um, those yeah. are two big reasons. I think one of the things we talk about is like adding on that they can, um, get you a rental car. I personally yeah. don't have that. You know, I look at, you know, I, I went yeah. through the last month, my car has been in a shop, but like I, I work okay. from home. I live with my fiance that like, yeah. you know, I was like, well, Hey, I, I can save here. I don't need a car that bad over that period of time. But uh, that one just came to my head because of yeah. going through it at this exact time. Um, no, okay, cool. Anything else to add on here? Well, I guess maybe the one thing I should have mentioned is it's a little bit on the home, but it applies to auto too, or just in general. Um, if you have a smallish claim, right? So you have a fender bender and it's whatever, 1500 and you have a $1,000 deductible. I know I'm not supposed to kind of say this, but realistically, don't file it, right? Like, yeah. You know, you're going to either your rates will go up enough that you'll end up paying for it in higher premium anyway, or you risk getting canceled when you have another claim later, or you risk getting a giant hike on another claim because now you've had two claims in three years instead of one claim in three years. Um, yeah. So again, it's one reason we recommend higher deductibles in general is it takes that temptation away to file the small claim, uh, which generally works against you in the long run. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good one. Okay, and then let's wrap it up with Umbrella. Sure. Definitely give an like an intro of what Umbrella is because a lot of people yeah. don't think yeah. about it. And I think you mentioned to me that like a lot of financial planners don't talk about it. I yeah. honestly, I recommend it to every single client and there's very that's few great. things I recommend to everybody. But like I had a post last week on Umbrella, like the two most important insurances, Umbrella and Disability. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't have one person comment that they agreed with umbrella. Everybody was like disability so important or this. And I was like, I went through, I was like, really? I like commented on somebody was like, I'm really surprised that everybody said disability, which I get, I overly yeah. think disability is important in protecting your income. But yeah. I was very surprised that most people don't talk about like the, the huge risk of not having umbrella. Cause yeah. I just saw a story last week of some person that was in a car accident. They had 50,000 of coverage and they were gonna have to pay 120,000 out of pocket pretty much sure. because they didn't have proper coverage. And it's like, that's huge. Or what if, you know, yeah. we go to your home, right. And like somebody drowns and you're sued for a million, you have 500,000 of coverage. Like those are yeah. catastrophic losses that literally yeah. are probably the difference between like, you can retire when you want. And maybe 
barely being able to retire ever. Absolutely. And, and, that, that, and that's, that's exactly how I talk about it, right? It is, um, you know, everyone wants to spend a lot of time with, with, with you and, and people like you on how do I protect my wealth and grow my wealth. And realistically, there's, you know, I, I mean, I guess you could have had all your money in Silicon Valley and, and lose 100% of your, your retirement in a minute. But realistically, in investments, you're not going to lose it all you know, quickly, uh, or ever really. Right. Um, yeah. a lawsuit's the one way you can lose it all. Right. So an umbrella basically protects you against lawsuits and, um, you know, to be honest, you know, plaintiff's attorneys are smart people and they look for targets. Right. So, you know, if you're driving a, you know, beat up car and you live in a cheap home and you, they are guessing you don't have any savings, they're probably not going to take that case as much as you're going to take the case if they see you live in a fancy house and a nice zip code and you have a big income uh, and they're going to guess you have a lot in the bank, right? They're going to target you. Um, and the first thing they do is go call your insurer and say, what's their limit, right? And if the insurance company says, well, they just have 300000 of liability, they're going to come after you personally. If the insurance company says this person had a million dollar umbrella, they're going to say, give me the $5 million umbrella. Now that's bad for the insurance company, but you don't care, right? Cause you don't have to worry about this. The insurance company took care of it. Um, you know, the, the issue, even if you, you know, think like, uh, you know, oh, I could take care of this myself. I mean, think how much time you're spending just the stress with dealing with, are we going to awesome. settle? How much are we going to have to pay? you know, how much time do I need to be spending on with a lawyer? It's just, I mean, it's a nightmare, right? It's, yeah. it's, uh, so letting the insurance company handle it is worth something, but then obviously, again, there's the financial aspect. Mm. And they're going to have good lawyers too. They don't want to be paying the out. Thing. They're going to have a better lawyer. They will get but, a much better settlement than you will. Yes. And I think like at its foundation, just for people that don't know, like umbrella, I yeah. think is like the most fitting name, right? Like umbrella insurances, yeah. it sits on top of all these other insurances to say like, Hey, if something happens like the example of the $50,000 car, like something yeah. above 50,000, that's where umbrella comes to kick in and say, Hey, you know, we will help you up to that max. So there's 1 million, yeah. 2 million, 5 million, et cetera. They'll cover you like that big upside, which is yeah. where it makes a lot of sense. It typically is pretty inexpensive too. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, um, you know, most companies will start umbrella. If you have hundred thousand of liability on both the auto and the home, right? So they want, generally they want you to have the there are exceptions. There are a few out there, but for the most part, you know, the name brand insurers are going to want you to have the auto and home together because you can get on either one, right? Like the most common umbrella claim is going to be an auto accident, um, but it does cover all these things in the home we talked about too. So they're going to want to make sure they have control over the whole thing because their lawyers are going to defend you and they want to make sure there's no gaps in the policy, right? Yeah. Um, so generally above 300000 you can buy an umbrella. Um, and you know, that most commonly you'll take it up to a million, right? Again, mm -hmm. you can buy more if you need more. Um, and, uh, you know, to your point that it, it's, um, you know, the cost, you know, a million dollars of umbrella is like a few hundred bucks. Like it could be yeah. two, 300 bucks. It's not that much. Um, and, uh, the interesting thing about umbrella compared to, you know, almost any other type of insurance, right? Having it makes you less likely to need it, 
right? Meaning term life. I mean, I, I guess unless you're going to tell some like scary story that someone's going to kill you for your insurance, right? But like, you're not more likely to die because you buy a term life policy. You're not more likely to get disabled because you have a disability policy. Having an umbrella policy makes it less likely the other side will go after you, right? So just, hey, you have a million dollars of liability, umbrella liability, I'll take that. I'm happy. Hmm. We're done. Yeah. Right? Where if you don't, they might say, well, you're worth three men. I want the three million and I want future wages. Right? Where if you just have a million of umbrella, they might say that's good enough. I'm okay. Yeah. Now, sometimes they'll still go after it, but it actually influences the odds of the outcome, which is, you know, it's yeah. a deterrent basically. Right? That's really interesting. I, yeah, no, that, that's a really interesting point. The other use case that I've seen is like yeah. a lot of financial planners or attorneys I've seen recommend people with uh, rental properties, always putting them in LLCs sure. for liability coverage, which does make sense. But certain states you get, I mean, it can be costly to have 10 LLCs and some people throw like all of them inside of one LLC. But then I've talked to a few attorneys yeah. who are like, we just recommend that, um, you know, unless they really want the bank accounts and everything for the LLCs, okay. we recommend homeowners insurance or not homeowners insurance, umbrella insurance, which can sure. help protect above the the liability. Cause that's the, yeah. the fear, right? Like, Hey, if I don't have this in LLC and you know, we get sued and we only have, you know, 25,000 of equity, like that's going to come on to us personally where that umbrella policy would help. Exactly. And look, I mean, there's all sorts of, I mean, yeah, even with a personal umbrella, um, it can't, touch your business right the other way but look if you don't have an umbrella and most of your net worth is in your business and you only have you know a couple hundred thousand of liquidity personally again the other side's lawyer will see you have a business that's worth 10 million they're going to suffer five or 10 million and how are you going to pay that judgment you're going to have to sell part of your business or all yeah. of them right so even though they can't come after the business you have to meet that judgment in some way so people think like oh this only affects me personally, it can affect your business too indirectly, right? Because you've got to be able to meet the judgment. So to spend a few hundred bucks to protect, I mean, it really does sort of secondarily protect, you, you know, the, the business on top of the personal. So yeah, no, that's awesome. Okay. Any last closing thoughts that you have? I think you've explained these really well. And this is exactly what I was hoping for. Yeah, I mean, I think we covered a lot of things. I mean, again, just, uh, Again, it's just surprised, like, you know, when I go look at, at CFP websites, I'll see a lot which is on, you know, term disability, even long-term care. And maybe umbrellas there, maybe it's not, right? Some do, right? But a lot of them don't. And it's just been surprising to me. So we feel there's an opportunity to, again, we're mostly focused on homeowners. We've kind of realized there's maybe an opportunity for us to help CFPs educate clients about umbrella. Um, yeah. Because it, it does go hand in hand and it really is a, such a cheap insurance. You know, it's a lot cheaper than buying, you know, put options on your S&P portfolio, right? Um, yeah, it's interesting it's a because lot cheaper hedge. my first bunch of years in the industry, not one person yeah. ever brought it up as a planning move. Like yeah. I will say most planning that I do and learned has been self-taught. Like the yeah. industry really isn't that geared towards planning, right? It's geared towards let me manage your investments or here are the insurances we do sell. And I'm not going to get on my soapbox about like, why? Okay. Like if financial advisors sell insurance, if that's somehow part of the job, yeah. why aren't we selling property and casualty and homeowners? Sure. 
like all of those, like, why are we just selling these? It's like, well, because these are higher payouts and, um, people are like, like life insurance has to do with death and like homeowners has to do, or like, I mean, umbrella has to do with a massive claim here like that. I don't understand how we pick and choose what insurance is financial advisors should sell and should it, I just think they shouldn't, but we're not, I'm not going to worry about that right now. Well, what I would say to me as an outsider, right. I mean, I have to come from a, from a slightly different perspective, but, uh, to me, the job is risk management, right? And, and you know, insurance is part of risk management. It's, it's yeah. you know, the, the worst, I, I assume the worst thing that could ever, you know, happen to you for one of your clients is they lose all the, not just because they wouldn't be a client anymore, just because you probably could have helped them avoid that, right? Yeah. So this is one of those things that helps them avoid a worst case scenario. To me, it seems pretty essential, but. Yeah, agreed. All right, man. Well, thank you for hopping on. Um, I know you've been focusing a lot on education. So yeah. maybe just last, let everybody know where they can follow you and kind of read a lot of the stuff that you've been putting out. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, Twitter is informed by Ian, all one word. Uh, you know, I have a blog. It's uh, Ian's I-A-N-S-B-N-R.com. That's mostly, to be honest, uh, you know, investing and insurance focus, but uh is a little bit different than our, our corporate websites, informedinsurance.com. And if you want to know more about homeowners and umbrellas specifically, there's a lot of content on there for you. Awesome. Well, Ian, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate you sharing all your knowledge on these few topics. And uh, everybody, thanks for listening. We will see you back next week. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it.